Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle. I am your humbled and gracious host, Jonathan Wiegand, and thank you for turning into the program today. And I mean, I am having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have, Luna. Um, and for those of you who don't know, first-time listeners, Luna is my intern editor producer, so that's that's who I'm referencing, and she is here with me as I record. And always remember the views expressed by the hosts on this program are documented to be almost always right. 99.7% of the time. That is the Dr. Dilithium Garen Dog Tea. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever holiday or holy day you celebrate, happy that, happy holidays. Yeah. <laughs> it is so good to be here. It's my favorite time of the year. I absolutely love it. From the Christmas movies to the presents under the tree, I am enthralled with christmas time and also it's kind of a weird time in the workforce because i work in an office job in accounting and it's just i feel like a lot of my coworkers are like checked out mentally i'll ask them certain things and then i'll get a response like two days later or stuff like that so it's it's also a slower time and i think that's good time for reflection and time for um kind of just getting your own house in order. It's a good time for that. So that, that'd be my advice. But um, speaking of kind of holiday episodes, um, I have a treat. So next week's episode, which is theoretically the week of Christmas, we are going to be doing a top holiday, like maybe five or six, seven episodes of Star Trek, which might kind of seem like an oxymoron because as we know, Gene Gene, the dancing machine, Roddenberry, he was all about like secular humanism and not really have religion in the future that humanity kind of outgrows that. But I have some tricks up my sleeve. So maybe we'll get some Christmas references in Trek after all. But you have to stay tuned for next week. I think there was like a Simpsons like play on words about like uh, the Christmas Carol and they, you kind of, they like cut to Captain Kirk and you see like the spirit of christmas or something like in the view screen and so it's like whenever i think of star trek christmas that's my first go-to is that simpsons clip um weird i know but anyway thank you guys also for um all the love and support we got with the uh, romulan episode romulans are basically cats um i don't know if we're gonna do another one in the future talking about more romulan history but if i do i'll let you guys know in january or february whenever we decide to but Anyway, Luna, we have a lot of great news to cover this week, a lot of fun, interesting stuff. So, Luna, let's light this candle and roll the news. So the first news story we're going to cover is I'm always trying to help. Um, I know for me, I like to budget kind of, be a real penny pincher on money. You know, I'm not going to, I'm okay to spend things, but as long as I'm going to use it and they're worth it. And one of the biggest things I find, and 
annoying things I find are all the streaming services. I'm kind of tired of it. But I will say this. Star Trek Deep Space Nine will soon be available on Pluto TV to stream for free, as well as the original series. So according to TrekMovie.com, so this is an ad-supported streaming service. And it's going to include, I think, 63,000 episodes of CBS content through the end of the year, which will include, of course, our beloved DS9 and TOS, the original series. Um, I mean, so to me, if you haven't watched DS9, now you have no excuse. It's free. Yeah, you have to watch some ads, but who cares? Everyone has to do that. And now you can watch it, so it's free. So that, again, is Pluto TV. Um, For my European or Australian listeners, I have no idea if (laughs) I couldn't find anything, if it's going to be available in your region or not. Um, But I would always suggest maybe a VPN and then drop that VPN in the middle of the good old US of A. Maybe we can get there so you can watch some free DS9. Um, And that's one thing it's kind of like going into that was when I saw the story was like, how can we avoid that? And one of my tricks that I've always used um, is slowly buying up all of Star Trek series, um, whether that I, I'm big Apple iPhone person. So I, I got through the Apple store. So slowly buying up all of the series on iTunes, which is great. And it's expensive and you have an upfront cost, but over because I mean, I've subscribed to I was Netflix for a number of years purely because they had Star Trek. And now I'm on CBS purely because they have Star Trek (laughs) trying to get off of that. It's like a drug. It's like, I don't want to pay 10 bucks a month because I don't want to watch commercials, which is, I still have to watch commercials, which is annoying. But, um, I think that's just the sad future we have. Like ads are going to be there. These services are going to be there (laughs) for all the parents out there. My son loves Paw Patrol now, which is only on Paramount. So it doesn't matter if I buy every Star Trek series, I still have to. Um, <laughs> I still have to pay for Paramount now, so yay. Yeah, so I just want to let you guys know, Pluto TV, it's free streaming with ads, of course, for DS9 and the original series. Speaking of Star Trek series, so this past week we got an official still from the third and final season of Picard, and it gave us kind of a sneak peek of um, Michael Dorn returning as Worf. It was exclusively revealed by TV Line, and it kind of features a reunion between Worf and Jean-Luc Picard. Um, In this kind of picture, and I'm sure you've seen if you're a big Star Trek fan, if you haven't, it's on my uh, Twitter feed. Uh, Worf can be seen wearing, of course, the traditional Klingon robes and the garb, but he's also carrying a new sword known as a Kraleth, which was designed by um, a Star Trek visual arts guy called Dan Curry, who actually designed the Bathleth blade. So maybe this will be the kind of the new Bathleth. We don't know. And speaking of Star Trek series, did you guys see they somebody made like this O'Brien fan poster, kind of like in the same vein as Picard. And it kind of like set off a wildfire. I don't think they were expecting it to kind of go as much as it did. Because now people are thinking, maybe we should have a Miles O'Brien spinoff. And I personally would love that. Um, As we know in Lower Decks, he is the most important person in Starfleet. So I think it'd be funny if if we went from, you know, the end of DS9 and where he goes and teaches at the Academy officially in 
TV canon all the way to, you know, how did he become the most important person in Starfleet? So I think it'd be cool. And I think it's something to look at and why not, you know, we're, we're, people are pushing out all these shows. Like we have a show called Yellowstone and they have like literally like four like mini prequel shows. So why not? Why can't we get that for Star Trek? We're the best and brightest people. We could do that. Anyway, um, speaking of Klingons, so the, in the Star Trek comics, they just gifted this really cool, interesting fact about Klingons that really kind of allowed us to see more into their culture. And so if you haven't listened to our Klingon episodes here on OPP, or if you're kind of a newer fan, this is kind of an explanation, deep dive, just a little bit, something new that came out this past week in the comic book world of Star Trek. So few societies in the Star Trek universe have been more like written and expunged more, more than the Klingons. And now IDW published Star Trek number two comic really kind of gives us um, a neat bit of trivia about them, if you didn't know. And it really gives us a great insight into their culture and their kind of ever-shifting role and presence in the Alpha Quadrant. So a little bit of backstory, if you didn't know, Klingons have this kind of warlike culture and they're all about honor and keeping their honor for themselves and their house and the empire. And they're one of the most like feared species in the entire galaxy. And first contact between humans and Klingons first happened in the 22nd century. It was actually detailed in the first episode of Star Trek Enterprise, if you didn't know. And hostilities kind of continued after the founding of the Federation and actually led to a war in the 2250s, as we've seen in Star Trek Discovery Season 1. So a tense peace kind of marred by occasional skirmishes held until the 23rd century when an ecological crisis hit the Klingon home world, forcing them to seek peace with their former enemies. A peace that was eventually achieved and really solidified, it will, it, with the exception during the buildup of the Dominion War, which we're not going to get into, but um, however the fact remains, the Klingons and the Federation are very different and very different outlooks and very different politics. However, there's a text piece from Star Trek number two by IDW. It brings the reader up to speed on the current situation in the Klingon Empire relating to the story of a clone Emperor Kalis, which was a plot line in TNG, as well as the structure of Klingon society. A text piece also sheds light on how, and I quote, 11 Klingon starship commanders have been killed and supplanted by their subordinate. This is, historically speaking, a low number. So that text piece reveals the fact that Klingons settled their disputes with fights and weapons, which we already knew that. Again, that's nothing new. We've seen that in several episodes. This fact actually puts traditions in perspective, making it clear that executions are essentially a expected aspect of being in command. <laughs> I think there's a great TNG episode of that where um, Riker kind of goes, I think it's in the second or third season of TNG, Riker goes to the Klingon ship in kind of an exchange program. You kind of see him start to understand, oh my gosh, they could kill me at any moment if they start to, you know, think I'm a bad leader. And I mean, there is some benefits to that. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate because you could argue that Starfleet like bureaucracy kind of stands in the way of the greater good, but Klingons don't put up with that. Like, any captain who loses the favor of the crew can immediately be removed and replaced. It's not going to be this long-standing, 
you know, Jellico situation where it's going to be going and going and going and going and going. It's going to be pretty quick. <laughs> um, it's I think it's just kind of dark how common this is. And with 11 kills and kind of subordinates kind of supplanting them, being a quote-unquote peaceful year. Also kind of a great nutshell is that it shows Klingon leadership is kind of always in this flux and, it, and that all it takes is the right string of killings and the whole empire can kind of turn on a dime, which kind of explains why the Federation before the Dominion War really kind of never trusts them as an ally. So that's that's a fun fact that you can put in that, you know, kind of puts the Klingons in context that this society built on combat and conquest can still maintain a peaceful alliance with the Federation, even though they're completely at odds. Maybe that's something we can talk about in our own lives. Maybe, you know, just because, you know, we're meeting with family in a couple weeks, um, maybe we not agree on everything and our lifestyle and beliefs are so contradicting to one another. Doesn't mean we can't get along, can't be friends and, and family, you know? Again, best sci-fi is the ones that give uh, relation to the real world. And Star Trek, again, does that the Klingons and Starfleet relationship. So moving on. So um, the past week, we've had a lot of awards given out for Star Trek and kind of a lot of cooler nominations that we've been getting. So the first off is Star Trek's Discovery, Michelle Yee, yo, <laughs> Luna, help me, yo. Michelle Yo was named Times 2022 Icon of the Year. She played Giorgio in Star Trek Discovery, but she's also been in like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Memoirs of Geisha. She's done Marvel. She's done Minions, Avatar. I mean, she's done it all. But it wasn't until the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which I've heard is fantastic. I have not watched it, but I've heard is fantastic. Um, she's kind of been the number moved up to the number one call sheet um, in Hollywood. So that's really cool. Congratulations to her. And also Star Trek Lower Decks was nominated for a few Critics' Choice Awards, and same thing with um, Star Trek New World. So I think we're we're kind of getting some recognition for our Star Trek shows out there, which is really cool, and I'm, I'm very happy to see. Okay, so for the last kind of news story of the week, it's not really Star Trek, but it kind of is. Um, so there's been a big discovery out in the science world, especially with thermonuclear reactions. So if you haven't heard about this, this is what I'm talking about. And I promise you, it'll relate to Star Trek. So researchers at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory announced Tuesday that they made a major breakthrough in studying fission, aka thermonuclear reaction. And if you're wondering what that is, that's kind of what keeps the sun going and what powers the sun. Um, so the news is pretty much just about trying to harness literal star power and kind of create a, a clean, continual renewal energy. And if you kind of like can't wrap your mind around that, there's some, here's some great examples about it. So number one, Spider-Man 2. That's exactly what Doc Ock was trying to build. You know, kind of this fusion reactor. I think, yeah, Alfred Molina. Yeah, he played Doc Ock. He was trying to create this fusion reactor with this artificial sun at the center. And as we all know, it kind of goes awry and it turns them into Doc Ock and it's awful. Um, another one is Back to the Future. Um, the DeLorean, if you put trash into the canister, Doc Brown called it his Mr. Fusion home energy reactor. <laughs> it was on top of the car. And again, kind of wrapping it around, same 
is true in Star Trek, where the engineering system of Federation starships use a quote-unquote fusion reaction subsystem. So the, to me, is it kind of like, is warp drive a possibility now? <laughs> I mean, I'm not a warp field specialist, but maybe it could. Like, I think I think maybe we, if we have this renewable energy, I mean, first of all, that's great for, you know, the planet, number one. And number two, it would be really cool because then we can start powering things to go deeper into space, deeper exploration. So I think that'd be really awesome. And I mean, if we do get, I know this is a really random topic, but speaking of warp drive, remember that little uh, hint for the new episodes coming in January? Um, there was an episode of TNG. I think it was in season seven. What was the name of it? Force of Nature, Luna. And it was where these two scientists, I think they're Hurricanes, Hurricanes, Hurricanes. They were from Hurricanes too, so Hurricanes. Um, talked about that warp drive was like killing their planet and killing their region of space. And that we kind of had to prevent the damage. You couldn't go above warp five. And then like Starfleet issued the order, you can't go above warp five anymore. And then that was just forgotten and never addressed or talked about ever again. So I think that was kind of funny. Um, yeah, so I think maybe there could be some downside of having fusion reaction technology in space. We don't know, but it's definitely um, exciting time to be alive. I'll say that, an exciting time to be alive. Sadly, I couldn't find any more stories about shooting remains in the space. <laughs> I know some people really like that, but couldn't find anything more on that. That's all the news and brews we have this week. Thank you all so much for listening. And Luna, let's roll that beautiful bean footage. As a reminder, yes, we're going to have our Christmas episode of Star Trek next week, which is going to be fun. And there's going to be a little, like, little tip of the cap and... Uh, pull some tricks out of my sleeve for that one. And as always, please check out jasontalksmovies.wordpress.com. He's a longtime listener, friend of the podcast. Uh, he's been on the show multiple times for our Trek Roundtable, so please check out his website. Um, does great reviews, everything. He he mentioned to me, does Star Trek have Christmas episodes? And obviously we don't straight up because of Gene Gene, the dancing machine, Ron Barry. But... That gave me the idea for the episode next week. So thank you, Jason, on that. And just again, another PSA. So we're getting into the holidays. If you don't have someone to talk to, please reach out to, to friends, family. If you need to get help, therapists, please do. It is a, I, I consider it mental health, a, a national issue and something we always have to have at the forefront. So around the holidays, I always put this PSA to let people know you're not alone and it does get better. So please do that for me and everyone here at OPP. And always remember, second start of the right, straight on till morning.